Well, we made it. It is the end of the season and what a season it was. So I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break after today's episode and then just trying to unplug and enjoy Christmas with the family and do normal human things that doesn't involve a ton of content creation. But then I'll be back with a fresh set of episodes in January. So just kind of wanted to give you an idea of what to expect. But in today's episode, I wanted to wrap up this season with a bit of a bang. So I have a a few pieces of criticism and feedback that I have received over the last month or two as we've been recording these episodes. And so I thought it would be fun to discuss some of that today because there were some really good points made. And I think it opened up some very interesting conversation around this topic of opting out of systems and kind of going against the status quo, which is what we really focused on this season. So should be a good one. Let's get started. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Okay, so as it works with most content creation projects, the vast majority of the feedback I got from the season was very positive. And I wanted to thank you so much to everyone who sent emails and Instagram messages and Facebook messages saying, you know, um, this is what I needed. And you were sharing your stories and your ideas and what you've been questioning. And it was so much fun to have this conversation with so many of you. So thank you. Thank you for all of the support and all of the, um, conversations that we had. And within those conversations, there's been a few interesting pieces of feedback that have come through. And I'm open to that when it's respectful and it's intelligent and it's not just, you know, name calling. But there's been a couple uh, points that people had or disagreements they had with this topic that I've been sharing over the last, whatever, 13, 12, I guess, episodes. So um, the first one, that I wanted to address, and this is a really quick and easy one, there was a couple people saying, oh man, all you're talking about is this current event system opting out status quo stuff. I don't want to listen to that. You need to talk about something else. So just a reminder for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast or maybe new to what I do online, um, I have a ginormous library of homesteading content. So this is kind of a new thing for me to talk about opting out and making different choices and questioning things like that's a new uh, strain of content. And we'll be continuing that on in the new year. Not every episode will be about this sort of thing, but it'll be mixed in. So if you're not into it, we have over 250 episodes of this podcast, like for real 250 of every homesteading topic under the sun. We've got cows and chickens and cooking and bread baking and canning and preserving and gardening, how to buy land, how to maintain your mindset, how to deal with failure. Like we've got it all. So if you're not into this, 
I would highly suggest going back into the archives. I also have the blog with a ton of blog posts on recipes and tutorials and all the action items. And really, you know, I've been creating homestead content for over 10 years online. And so a lot of these topics are kind of been there, done that for me. And that's kind of why I'm interested in broadening my horizons a bit, which is what I've done in this season, which felt like a little bit of a risk as a content creator because it was off the beaten path. But ultimately, it's been a really good thing. So just wanted to give those of you who are new kind of a lay of the land, what to expect. Uh, the second bit of feedback that I wanted to address, this is a really interesting one. So I had a couple people who were criticizing uh, some of the choices I made that I was explaining over the last few episodes. Namely, when I talked about how we drove home from Washington, D.C. instead of flying home, people uh, we're saying things like, you know, that was, it's kind of hypocritical to say you are opting out of systems because you're still using systems in other parts of your life. And so I, you know, I had to sit with that and think about it. And yeah, I think that's a valid point. So I, I wanted to bring some more clarity to this idea because I feel like many of you who are also questioning things like me, maybe you're kind of wondering this as well. Like, what does it look like to blaze my own trail in one aspect of my life, but maybe I can't blaze it the same way in another area. So here's what I've been thinking about along these lines. So I think this is a little bit related to the risk that comes with putting yourself out there when you create content, right? Especially when you are creating in the format of something like a podcast, because, you know, when I'm doing written word content creation. I can write that blog post. I can write that book manuscript and I can edit it to death and make sure it makes sense and make sure it is using the words I want to use and it's it's in flow and I can refine those concepts. But when I put myself out there on a podcast or sometimes even a video, it's just a little trickier. So sometimes as I'm sharing ideas, and you've heard me say this before, oh, well, you know, this podcast is kind of me verbally processing this thought. And that's what I do sometimes. So I run the risk when I'm verbally processing with you guys that I don't use the perfect descriptive words. Sometimes what comes to me in the the spur of the moment uh, is a half-baked thought or a thought that isn't fully developed or refined. But one thing I've learned to get better at over the years in creating is sometimes you just have to put it out there to the universe before it's 100% ready. Because waiting for a thought or an idea or a product or whatever to be 100% perfect, like that doesn't ever happen. Nothing is ever 100% perfect. And so when I came into this topic for this season of opting out of systems, I had this choice of, you know, this is something I'm feeling strongly about. There's something here. I know other people are resonating with it. And I, I was like, do I like the idea of system? Well, it's, it doesn't feel like it describes what I'm trying to say perfectly, but it was the best thing I could come up with at the time. And so I decided just to talk about it and see what happens. And it's been good, but I've come into more refinement and more understanding of my own ideas through the process. And I know any of you guys who create in any way, shape or form, you totally get what I'm saying. It's just, just how it goes. So, um, here's how I've shifted some of the words I'm using and some of my ideas around this. And I think this might be helpful to some of you as well. So in regards to this story of when I shared us driving home from Washington, D.C., in case you missed that episode, I'll give you the very 
brief Cliff Notes version. We were in Virginia for a Homesteaders of America conference. We were supposed to fly out on a Sunday to come home. We got to the airport in Washington, D.C., the Dulles airport, and the ticket counter, or not the ticket counter, the check-in counter was like, uh, sorry, your flight's canceled. All the flights are canceled. There is no plane here for you. There will be no plane here for you. Go to a hotel and wait out for like two days till we call you. <laughs> like, that was it. And little did we know that was the weekend that Southwest, we were flying Southwest, canceled like 2,000 flights, you know, because of <clears throat> weather. So there we were in the thick of that chaos. And we had a choice at that point to sit in a hotel in Washington and wait or get in a rental car and drive home all the way to Wyoming, which is over a 24-hour drive. We chose the latter. Um, and as I shared on that podcast episode, the minute we did that, we instantly felt relief because we had put ourselves back into power and we were no longer uh, a victim of this airline system. So that story was really less about the, the air travel system in particular and more about the thought process of doing something hard that ultimately becomes a better choice for you. Because really, when it comes down to it, um, I'm not against air travel. Like, I'm choosing not to, to fly in the near future. We're just going to be driving places. Um, but it, I, I probably will fly again someday. It's not like I'm against flying. And it really doesn't matter how you get across the country, right? Plane, train, automobile, horse, oxen, bicycle. Uh, my point of that story was sometimes you know in your gut when you need to opt out of a system. And listening to your gut feels scary, but after you do it, it's the right choice and you can tell. And your body will literally tell you when that's the right choice. So that's what I meant by that story. Because I had some people say, you know, well, that's hypocritical because you drove home in a rental car and that's a system. Or uh, petroleum that you bought for your car is a system. Or, you know, roadways are systems. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. I did use systems to get home. It's not that I'm anti-system necessarily, right? society needs systems. We really can't be a society without some agreed upon systems. And when I started using the word system, like I said a minute ago, I don't think it was the best word, but it was the best way I could come up with at the time to describe what I was feeling and what I was trying to grapple with. So I think a better word in this context that's better than system is groupthink. Right. And that's when I'm saying, let's opt out of systems. It's really, let's opt out of groupthink or opt out of just flowing with what the herd is doing without ever thinking for ourselves. Because, you know, living in America as an American, I still participate in systems, even though I'm the rebel homestead, homeschooler, entrepreneur, you know, herbal essential oil using person, I still am using systems. I pay taxes, a, lo a lot of taxes, entrepreneurs, you know, like we do a lot of tax paying. <laughs> um, I use language. Language is an agreed upon system in a society. Otherwise, it's real hard to communicate if you don't have an agreed upon language system. I do drive on roads. Roads are a system. So I'm not saying that every system under the sun is bad. That would be basically like anarchy. And I'm absolutely not advocating for that. And I think most of you could read between the lines and know that, but just 
I wanted to say it, I'm not an anarchist. Um, government does have a place. And a great book that talks about that is the book Naked Economics. Can't remember the, the name of the guy who wrote it, but it's pretty easy to remember the title if you want to Google it. Um, it's actually a really interesting book. It's not a dry book. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. But they have a, a chapter in there that talks about how in a capitalistic society, government is important. It keeps things flowing the way it should be. And, you know, we can have lots of conversations about how much government is too government, too much government, and that's a whole thing for another day. But there is a measure of government that is required in a functioning society. And I'm not against that. You know, community is very important to us. Um, relationships are important to us. So it's not like I'm someone who's going to be heading for the hills and being a hermit and living by myself and not having any ties locally. You know, obviously we bought a soda fountain. So it's it's very important to me to be a part of a community and to um, have those relationships and not just be on our own island. So the way I opt out of groupthink or a system is going to be different than the way you might opt out of it. And, you know, what works for me may or may not work for you. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And I think it's important that we don't try to put people in our boxes. And I hope that when people are listening to me, um, I'm able to communicate that, you know, my way is not the only way. All I can do is speak to my experience and you guys can take it or leave it. So just know, you know, yes, I'm an entrepreneur and uh, I love that. But for some people, having a nine to five job is where they need to be. And yes, I um, grow our own food and I'm a big advocate of that. But not everyone I know, I'm very aware, not everyone can have beef and chickens and their own pork. So it's a give or take thing. But the underlying message that I'm trying to share on this platform and on my social media is that it's a good thing to think for yourself. And it's a really, really good thing to ask good questions and to question systems or question aspects of groupthink that are no longer serving you. And that was another uh, piece of feedback that came through is it wasn't necessarily overtly stated, but it was this underlying um, uncomfortableness, that's not really a word, <laughs> this underlying distaste for the fact that I was questioning societal systems. And there was a few people who just really found that to be offensive. So here, that brings me to my, my next point here. And this is a really important one. This episode is sponsored by us. We are so excited to be kicking off the launch of our brand new beef business, Genuine Beef company and we're now able to ship our Wyoming raised beef nationwide. This is beef that we have raised ourselves. It doesn't come from overseas like a lot of the grass-fed beef you see on the market. It's grass-fed and grass-finished, dry-aged to perfection, and processed in a USDA facility where it is vacuum-sealed for maximum freshness. We now have ground beef, roast steaks, and all sorts of different bundles available. All you have to do is go online, order, and we'll ship it straight to your doorstep. Head on over to GenuineBeefCo.com to see what we have to offer or follow us over on Instagram, GenuineBeefCo, for recipes, tips on cooking grass-fed beef, the latest flash sales, and a view of what it's like to ranch out on the wide open Wyoming prairie. Plus, if you use code PODCAST, 
you'll save 10% on your order. And now back to our episode. I think we're living in a very interesting time right now where a lot of the systems that we all kind of assumed for at least, I know for me, you know, growing up through my early years, I just assumed a lot of these systems were all knowing, unwavering, didn't need to be questions. It didn't even occur to me that there was other ways of thinking about some of these things. And we're living in this time of upheaval and it feels chaotic and it feels scary sometimes. But I, I think a piece of that is people are waking up and starting to go, you know, what's, what's going on? Is this necessary? Do we need to live like this? How can we do this better? And I think that's a really good thing. We have to be willing to question things because otherwise society doesn't move forward. You know, um, the kids and I have been doing a unit study on the history of scientists. That's been our, one of our curriculums this year. It's a beautiful feat curriculum set for those of you who I know are going to ask me <laughs> which one it is. Beautiful feat. It's a really good um, program. But anyway, it's the history of scientists. We're going through the ages of uh, who invented this and who thought of that. But one of the reoccurring themes that we're seeing is a lot of these people who we now consider some of the greatest minds in human history, you know, and who changed the course of everything forever. Like their ideas were not well received when they came up with them. Uh, Sometimes they were ridiculed. Sometimes they were harassed. Sometimes they were tortured and killed for these revolutionary ideas because those ideas were questioning the status quo at the time. And it's so funny to me, you know, we, we, uh, listen to the stories of these inventors and these these thinkers and these philosophers and and we're like oh my gosh how could the general public be so dense that they couldn't see the brilliance of this idea or the brilliance of this invention but it still happens today and people and, and history is still repeating itself right and so one question that i like to ask myself and i think it's a question that we should all ask ourselves when we're looking at new ideas and new concepts, or we're seeing some of these systems right now in our society, they feel a little crumbly. (laughs) They feel a little unstable. Ask ourselves, with the way we're reacting, are we on the side of the people asking the good questions? Are we at least open to that? Or are we on the side of the mob screaming for them to be silenced? Because that dynamic that happened hundreds of years ago still happens today. It's hard for people to accept change. Everything down from, you know, people don't like it when Facebook changes a button location. That's hard on people. You hear everybody complain about it, you know, and that applies all the way up to those big things. And I think that's why we see so much upheaval, or part of the reason at least, so much upheaval online, so much division and so much censoring. Like, pay attention to who is doing the censoring. Because it's happening right now at a rate that hasn't happened in quite some time. And it's quite a fascinating dynamic if you pay attention. And just historically, the people who censor generally aren't the good guys. So just something to ruminate on as you're asking those good questions. But I will fight for someone's right to disagree with me. I think that's really important. Um, And one of the things that I feel like is a little bit dangerous about the internet, there's so many good things about the internet, right? But one of the things that can be dangerous is that 
it can create these echo chambers for us. We need disagreement. It's healthy to be around people who do not think exactly like us all the time. It's not good for us to live in a homogenous bubble. Yet the internet has created this this false dynamic where if anyone disagrees with us or they annoy us or they say something that's not perfectly in line with what we think, we can unfriend them, we can block them, we can ban them. And don't get me wrong, sometimes there's a time and place to block a person. (laughs) I have done it. But, you know, when it's these smaller disagreements, we literally are removing every influence from our life that causes us to think and thought causes us to stretch ourselves. And then of course the algorithms just perpetuate that they see what we like and what we share. And then they show us more of that. So the echo chamber is real. And I don't believe it's how humans were meant to live because if we look at how it works in a community, right? Like take, uh, for example, the little community that we're connected with, there's all sorts of different people there. And most of them are very different than me. We have different beliefs and different lifestyles and different paradigms. But I have to figure out how to get along with them if I'm going to be a functioning member of that community. And I'm going to do business there and I'm going to have friendships there and I'm, you know, I'm going to just get along. I have to figure out how to deal with all different kinds of personalities and vice versa. And that's healthy, right? I think that's a healthy dynamic for a human. And the internet gets that a little bit muddy. So I think that's something to... Um, be aware of as we are pushing on the status quo, watching the censoring happen and developing our relationships and maintaining those relationships in real life. So here's a example. I I always think examples are helpful. I love it when I am learning something and someone gives me an example. So let's talk homeschooling, for example. You guys know I like homeschooling. I was homeschooled. I homeschool our kids. I do believe that I can give my kids a superior education with home education in my situation. Uh, and I know that's a very offensive thing to say to some folks, but I, that is that is my belief. Um, I do question the efficacy of a compulsory education system where children sit in a classroom for seven to eight hours a day. I question that. I wonder if it is necessary. I wonder if it is the best way to educate children. It's an old model. It was introduced for a specific time in history. It worked better then, I believe, than it worked now. I think it's time to re-examine that and find potentially ways to do that better. Now, that being said, there is a reason public education exists. And not everyone in every situation can nor should homeschool their children. So it's this idea of sitting with the tension, right? And I was reading a quote the other day. Of course, I can't remember where I saw it. But they said the sign of maturity is being able to hold on to two opposing ideas at the same time and just being able to sit with them. And I think that's a really awesome skill to develop. Because for as much as I love homeschooling, I don't believe we should burn down the public school system. I do not think that would serve us as a society. And I don't have the ultimate solution to this. I just don't have it. Uh, I know what works for me and I know what works for people I know. And I have some ideas like what if we did pod schooling or what if there was different co-ops or what if we reworked public education so, you know, it was accessible to everyone, but they weren't being taught in this industrial model. I don't know. I don't have the perfect answer, 
nor will I ever have the perfect answer, but I love that dialogue around it. And I think that dialogue is important because if we can have that dialogue, that's how we can create some good changes. And that's how we can reform a system that might not be working the way it could be. Uh, Now, the problem comes in when people who are asking questions like that and having those conversations are instantly labeled as extremists. And that's something that I see happening a lot on the internet these days, both sides of the political aisle. It's not just one, both sides. And I think that's where we get into those echo chambers. Um, I, I saw an article flow past my newsfeed the other day talking about how like homeschool moms are the new extremists or whatever. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that is dangerous. When we start putting those labels on people, we're shutting down the dialogue. We're shutting down the intelligent discourse. That is unhealthy. And to be perfectly honest, um, it's that is why I left the religion I was raised in. And some of you have heard me talk about this here and there. I don't talk about it a lot. I was raised in a very strict fundamentalist religious sect. And part of the reason I left that as a young adult is because in that system, you were not allowed to ask questions. It just was known that you didn't question things. And if you did, it meant you were in sin. It meant you were a doubter. It meant your faith was weak. So you just learned from a very young age to just sit down, shut up, and just just do what you're supposed to do. Uh, and if a question did come up, you didn't verbalize it because it would bring down some judgment and people would think things about you. And so you learn just to kind of stuff it. And as I got older, I started to realize that, no, <laughs> that that's not, that that can't be right. Because if God and my belief system can't handle some questionings, like it's not as strong as I thought it was, right? And so that's why I left. And what I see happening right now is with some of the ideology that's floating around, it's two sides of the same coin. That same fundamentalism, extremism, where we aren't allowed to ask a question, aren't allowed to think for ourselves, we just have to go with what they're telling us, like, it's happening now on this other side of things. So it alarms me. And it's part of the reason that I am feeling so strongly in speaking out right now. I don't expect everyone to come over and believe exactly everything I believe or do their life exactly the way I do my life. But I'm going to very loudly (laughs) Proclaim that we all should have the right to ask those questions and decide for ourselves and not demonize um, someone for wanting to take a slightly different path. So to wrap it up, that was a doozy of an episode. (laughs) Not all systems are bad. I don't believe that. I'm not an anarchist, just FYI, quelling any rumors that may come up. I haven't actually seen those rumors, but, you know, just doing some uh, damage control ahead of time. There's a reason we have institutions in a society, but we are at an exciting time in history, I believe, where things are changing, changing, things are shifting, it feels chaotic. But I feel like uh, good things could be around the corner if we can continue to work on those systems that no longer serve us. And there's a great opportunity to become those autonomous, independent individuals who are willing to take on those higher levels of responsibility, which does come with a little bit more risk because that's how responsibility works. But there's plenty of space for those of you who are feeling that just like I am. And that is who I feel very called to speak to at this point. And I know that message won't be for everyone and that's fine. But really, when we distill down this idea of homesteading, 
it is about opting out. It's about doing life in our own way, in a way that is healthy for us, it's healthy for the planet, and it's good for our community, but it's taking on those higher levels of responsibility, higher levels of autonomy, and being willing to be responsible for our choices and for ourselves. And I think that's a really good thing. So I'm excited for whatever 2022 brings. I think it's an interesting time to be alive and, you know, develop those skills, friends, read good books, and we're just going to ride this out and who knows where it will take us. So that is the end of the season. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I will tell you I'm working on something different and special that will be launching in February. So it's going to be really focused for those of you who are working on increasing your independence in up-leveling your freedom and getting yourself to be uh, more autonomous and have a better handle on your food supply and your finances and your health and all of those good things. So it's going to be exciting. I'll be announcing it at some point. I don't know exactly when, but I just wanted to let you know that's coming in February. So stay tuned for that. Have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year, and we will chat soon. Thanks for being here. (music) 